You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. I see it. Good afternoon. Thank you, everyone. I'm so glad that you could join me today. This is Angelina Asante with the Healthy Hypochondriac. I have my friend and fellow survivor. You guys are not going to believe this story that you're about to hear today. Dr. Paul Thornton, I'm so glad to have you here, Dr. Paul. Welcome. Hi, Angelina. I'm glad to be here. Well, now, I met you when you were promoting a fun book. So I thought, because you're a multiple award-winning author, and I thought, oh, this is this is cool. This guy has written this book about cruising and isn't this neat. And I picked up your book and I loved it. It was fantastic. It had all these great stories. And then I find out about your other book and this life altering, amazing story that it really is a miracle you survived. Can you tell the audience the name of the book and what happened to you? Sure. So the, 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 the cruising book that you refer to, that's called The Joy of Cruising. Uh, and I wrote that in 2019. And that was my second book. Uh, but uh, my introduction to writing, my first book, um, uh, was called White Man's Disease. Now, I know that's a provocative uh, title. Uh, it's not a provocative book. Uh, but you might be wondering why it's called white man's disease. It's really, it's not about race. Uh, uh, but I chose that title because it, it was so appropriate, uh, to what the book was about. Um, I first heard the term, by the way, white man's disease, um, in the seventies, I know I'm dating myself. Uh, I was actually watching a basketball game. And the commentator, uh, and he, he was a white man, very well-known uh, sportscaster by the name of Don Crickey, uh, he made, he made a, a joking comment uh, about white man's disease, and I almost fell off my chair. Uh, but I just, it, was, it was just so jarring to hear that term long before the term political correctness was, was even with us. Um, right. and, and, and then years later, when uh, uh, some things happened medically to me, uh, that 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 title or that term fit perfectly in the title of my book, White Man's Disease. So now, what exactly is white man's disease? Because didn't you tell me that a doctor actually used that phrase? Yeah, actually, the the doctor he didn't quite use that phrase. He said. Uh, 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 my situation, my condition uh, was uh, uh, rare, uh, very rare for people of my demographic. So it, it mainly uh, uh, affected um, uh, white males uh, in their 50s and 60s. And at the time, uh, I was a 29-year-old uh, African-American male. Uh, and so so when he said that, I responded uh, 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 jokingly, uh, 
thinking back to that term that I had heard many years ago, I have white man's disease. So, so, so I want to be clear. The doctor didn't say that. I said that. Okay. Okay. So, but it, you didn't hit, you didn't tick any of the boxes for the typical patient. No, no. And, and, and because I didn't check those boxes, uh, I really kind of found out uh, about my ailment um, uh, in an unusual way. I actually went to the dentist uh, for my normal six-month checkup. And, uh, but I had noticed um, a, 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 a spot on my cheek. And it was just a, a tiny, it was, it was like smaller than a fingertip. Um, but I noticed it. It was kind of like, like a tingly or numb, almost a numb, numbness. And I asked the dentist, uh, was I growing a wisdom tooth? I didn't know what a wisdom tooth was, but, but I just asked him that question. And he, he said, well, why do you ask me that? I mean, he looked in the back of my mouth and, and all that. And, and then he said, why do you ask me that? And I said, because I feel a, a slight tingling sensation in my cheek. Uh, well, I must have said the right thing or the wrong thing because he referred me to an oral surgeon. And the oral surgeon, you know, he, he did all of his, uh, his checkup and, and uh, something I said uh, he didn't like because he referred me to a neurologist. Uh-oh. And and then the neurologist did his uh, his workup. You know, he hit my knee with the little rubber mallet, which I thought they only did in cartoons. I didn't know that was a real thing. And and you know, he just did a, a neurological workup, and he said everything looks fine. Uh, but he said just uh, as one precaution, he's going to send me for blood work and uh, a CAT scan. And and. Uh, uh, that's when I learned that I had a brain tumor. Okay, so I do want to stop you right here because this is interesting to me as a cancer survivor. Now, did anything show up in your blood work? No. Okay, so I want the audience to take note of that because nothing showed up in my blood work either. So just because you have a good result, quote unquote, in your blood work doesn't mean you don't actually have something going on. Thank you for sharing that with the audience, because that's very surprising for people who who are hearing this and don't mm -hmm. realize you can have something wrong with you. So now I'm glad that that neurologist took the ne next step. So in the CAT scan, they see what? Uh, well, uh, they called me and and they said that I have a small tumor. And so, you know, at the time, you know, I had read things that, you know, tumors get, get, get done with, with lasers and all of that. And I was, you know, I was well into my, uh, my career. I, I had started a corporate career and I was rapidly rising up the corporate ladder. And, and the last thing I wanted to hear was, you know, some time off from work. So I asked the right. doctor, I said, I said, uh, well, you can take that out in the office, right? With lasers. Of course, I had, you know, uh, uh, underestimated what was going on with me. Um, what I learned in the, in the ensuing several days is it wasn't that small. Uh, and the other thing is it was in a very uh, bad location. Uh, uh, 
the location was 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 so uh, precarious, so critical that um, I needed to 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 do things in a hurry. So uh, after after they got the CAT scan back, I saw a doctor on uh, actually a Saturday morning. I saw I saw a doctor Saturday morning. I was in the hospital on Monday morning. Wow. So. So then, this is this has a high rate of paralysis. Well, the 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 what what made the tumor particularly challenging uh, is uh, it, it actually was a a a, a slow growing tumor, um, but. And, and the doctor said that I probably it probably had been growing since I was an infant. Uh, oh my gosh. Uh, but what it what made it challenging is it was and not not to sound too uh, what's the right word gory or anything like that, but it was it was right above the opening of my spinal column where the spinal column enters uh, the, the the brain, and so. Uh, uh, I needed to have it removed because it there was a risk of that opening closing. Oh my gosh. And, and so to answer your question about paralysis, in the old days, uh, before CAT scans, what often happened to people with my kind of, of tumor is it grew uh, so large that uh, it would have outward symptoms uh, and some of those symptoms could be things like uh, uh, paralysis, facial paralysis, uh, and, and uh, loss of hearing, uh, things like that. Um, uh, and and so and so so yeah, there was a risk of paralysis, but 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 the risk was the tumor growing and covering up that 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 opening. So now you get sent to is it? a neurological surgeon or who's actually doing this work? Yeah. So, so after the neurologist sent me for the CAT scan, uh, uh, he referred me to uh, what's called a neurosurgeon. And so, uh, uh, you know, I guess I had a shell shock look on my face. Uh, I, right. uh, uh, it didn't look like I was willing to hear anything that the doctors were, were going to say. I don't know what the look, was but for some reason uh he assumed that i was resisting getting this done removing this 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 tumor and he made a comment to me uh he said you you have to get this done uh his exact words angelina this is in my book i'll never forget it his exact words were uh if you don't get this done you'll be dead in six months uh, and uh, as soon as he said that, I checked out, and that was the last time I saw that doctor, uh, because he must have failed the bedside manner in medical school because right. because uh, I knew he wasn't cutting on me. And uh, also, you shared something with me in the pre-interview. You weren't alone when he said that to you. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, my wife was with me, and uh, when he said that, she just started bawling. So, so now, so you, here you are, a successful executive, married with children. You're getting this 
shocking news because obviously you know something's going on, but that's absolutely shocking. And you're right, very poor bedside manner. So now what's the next step? You obviously know you've got a serious issue. Now what? Well, this was uh, this was Thursday, uh, a Thursday that he he told me I had to get this done, uh, and and I knew I knew I wasn't going to deal with him. On Friday, uh, we drove to New York. I'm originally from New York, uh, and we drove up to New York Friday. Um, I had a. Uh, a friend or actually a relative who worked in a hospital or no, I had a relative and who had a friend that worked in a hospital up in New York, Long Island Jewish hospital. And they arranged, uh, obviously they had some pull because they got, they arranged for me to be seen on a Saturday morning. Wow. Uh, so we, we, this was Thursday night when I was, when I, first was uh, diagnosed and I drove up on Friday and Saturday morning I saw a doctor um, and then on Monday morning they called me and said they had a bed for me wow so yeah and you know the funny thing is it, well, it's funny to me now I can reflect back on it you know I only went to the dentist for my my typical six-month checkup so so you know you go to the dentist every six months for it was a cleaning and and I I think to the words of the neurosurgeon who says who said if you don't get this done you'll be dead in six months, so you know I wonder, you know, what would have happened if if I didn't have a dentist appointment? Oh my gosh! Because that is what, you know, what I'm told is is you know you just when that opening that i mentioned uh over the spinal column uh closes you just kind of slip into a coma and you don't wake up oh my gosh i'd like to just remind all the listeners right now please get your annual exams and please get your dental cleanings every six months that's such a good point because you're right i didn't think about it six months a lot a lot of us wait a year oh i'll get to it i'm busy we're all busy right i'm busy so that it's could could be in your life yeah yeah so you know I, I mean i don't know i don't know if if what would have happened if 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 i had never gone to a dentist but but in any event i'm glad i did yes wow we're very grateful because now you can warn other people and you may not tick all the boxes for a disease and you may have it and not know and i'm so glad that you mentioned there's something strange going on in my mouth because i would never equate something going on in your mouth with something deadly on your spinal cord. Yeah, and it was a tiny, tiny spot. So I never would have gone to the doctor about wow. the spot, you know? That's, that blows me away. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, and what is the name of that tumor again? So, so the tumor is called an acoustic neuroma. Okay. So, and, and it's called acoustic for, for many people. Uh, it, it, forms on the auditory auditory nerve oh uh, wow um uh so it 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 it, it doesn't necessarily it's not necessarily uh 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 it doesn't start in in the brain wow so some do some people lose their hearing then as their warning sign as i as i as i did um now wow. i didn't lose that's a warning sign what i did have uh uh 
and I can reflect back on it now, but but I know it at the time. Uh, uh, maybe a year prior to going to the dentist, I did have ringing in the ear, tinnitus. Wow. Okay. And I did go to an ear, nose, and throat specialist about about ringing in the ear, about tinnitus. So so what I would say to to your listeners um, is you know. If you have tinnitus, I mean, obviously, it doesn't tumor, but you know, don't don't assume that that's well, that's nothing. It's just ringing in the ear. Um, wow, my mouth is open. I know you're probably looking at me because I I don't record I don't record the the visual part, but I'm sitting here with my mouth open listening to you because it's it's unbelievable. It's a it's a miracle that your life was spared. It's really a miracle. Someone was looking out for you. Yeah, so 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 you know that that was the only impact on hearing prior to surgery. Now there are some people who have my uh, tumor, who they have a lot more impacts on hearing prior to being diagnosed. In fact, that's what lead them to 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 look into it is is they might notice they're losing hearing. But I did not uh, have any what I what I felt was any loss of hearing until. Uh, until the surgery. During the surgery, the doctor, or not during, but prior to the surgery, the, the, the neurosurgeon, the good one, <laughs> the one I switched to, uh, he told me what the possible um, consequences of the surgery would be. Okay. And, and, and I knew at the time there was a, 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 a very good chance I would lose hearing on, on, on the side that the tumor was on. Uh, he he said there was a thirty five percent chance he could save my hearing, and wow, why, and I and I honestly believe that he would be successful. He he was he was that good, and 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 I guess I was just it was just wishful thinking on my part, um, and uh, he was not successful. Of course, I did not know that for a while, and there's a funny story in the book. Because after the surgery, I mean, I was wrapped like a mummy, uh, and and I was told I was led to believe, or maybe I heard what I wanted to hear. I was I I, I took I was told that everything's going to be all right or something like that, and I I took that to mean that my hearing was saved, and of course I didn't know whether it was saved. You know, I didn't know that it wasn't saved because again, you know, I had a wrap on my head. That was right. like bigger than a basketball. Wow. Uh, oh my gosh. And I was in a teaching hospital and this doctor with a bunch of medical students came in and they started reading from my chart. And I'm just laying there like a you know, piece of furniture. <laughs> and he's reading from my chart, you know, 29 year old presented with blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then he talked about the surgery and then, and then he made a statement about complete loss of hearing. And I like, you know, sat up in the bed <laughs> again, this wrapped up mummy. And I'm saying, no, 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 they did. They saved it. And the doctor like rushed all the students out because obviously they thought I was, you know, delirious. Uh, but I really at the time believed that he had saved my hearing. So it, 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 it was it was a lot funnier story when it happened. Well, and, and the it way actually I sounds really funny. Before. Because you're, you're speaking in front of somebody who you said has no hearing and then you're protesting. Wait, no, I do do have hearing. Yeah, yeah. And so so that was the first sign that I had that that 
that that was not saved. Uh, and, and, and so the next time I saw my wife, I, 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 I asked a question a particular way and I got the answer I was afraid I was going to get. And I had some other, uh, you know, there were other, some other deficits uh, that, that, that are permanent deficits that result from the surgery. But the bottom line is, hey, I'm here. You know, the surgery right. was, in, was in 1985 and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and I'm here. So walking miracle because uh, did they give you the survival rates for that uh well you know they, the, the the survival the it was it was very likely to survive once you have surgery of course you can, oh, you can always you can always uh die in surgery because of things like infection and things like right. that I mean, you know i was in surgery for for 12 hours oh my uh, gosh yeah so 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 uh so the, 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 the issue of surviving once I had surgery was, was not so much of an issue. The, the, the survival issue was getting it removed before that spinal column closed. Wow. So, 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 so that's, that's where the whole notion of not, you know, not being around for six more months came from. Well, I'm, I'm glad you shared that story. I've never met anyone who's had that type of tumor. So I'm glad that you and I discussed it because I think it's very eye-opening for the audience, especially with clean blood work, because people always make that assumption. A lot of the time it's a blood cancer is what comes up, you know, with the high white blood cells that that shows in your blood work. So it, it's, it's shocking the amount of stuff you can have that doesn't come up in a, in a routine, you know, lab blood work. We're going to talk about something more fun than that we're going to talk about your cruising books because that's how i originally met you and then we're going to pivot to how covid19 has really changed the world of cruising so now i know you from your books you've won some pretty prestigious awards with them the cruising book is really fun and can you kind of talk about how covid19 now that the cruise ships are opening back up how is that changing the cruising world well, certainly, uh, I think everyone in the cruising community is breathing a sigh of relief uh, because, you know, for a while there, uh, cruise enthusiasts, uh, well, I'll speak for myself, you know, it, 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 there were real questions that, as to whether or not the cruise industry would survive. Right. Um, and, and. So, 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 so I think that's the, the overarching, uh, 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 sentiment right now is one of relief. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I, let me tell you how I, I, I got into writing about cruising. First of all, the, the, the book, the process of writing the book was, was, you know, I didn't know that I was a writer. <laughs> I started writing this book when I was, or white man's disease when I, when I was, uh, almost 60 years old um, and I found out I loved the process of writing. Um, you know, white men's disease was sort of a natural topic that came to me. Uh, and so when it you know, came time to, to consider writing another book, um, I wasn't quite sure what I was gonna write about. Uh, but I cruised a lot, not, not a whole lot. You know, I cruise uh, fairly frequently with my, you know, that's something that I find uh, is fun to do with my grandchildren. 
And so, uh, you know, I cruise at least once a year with my grandchildren, and then I also cruise, you know, without them. Uh, and so I do a lot of consumer research on cruises. And in doing research for various cruises, what I found was the, the people who cruise are very, very interesting. And there's a lot of unique stories associated with cruising. And, and so, so, so that's where I got the notion of the book, The Joy of Cruising. And uh, it, it, it went well. It was a blast to write. Uh, and and, and it, 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 it did reasonably well. And so somewhere along the line, I made a decision to write a follow-up. And, and it was going to be called More Joy of Cruising. And I got, you know, I was about maybe 50% done with it uh, when the pandemic hit. Uh, and that was devastating. Uh, you know, for one, I loved cruising, but as I mentioned to you, uh, it, 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 it looked like cruising might not even survive the pandemic. Right. Um, uh, and, and so I stopped writing, you know, so, sort of had a self-imposed writing block uh, and, uh, you know, just kind of set it aside for a while. Um, but I didn't lose my, my passion for cruising. So I continued to go to the cruise groups and the message boards and, and stuff like that. And, and, and eventually I, I, I decided to restart my writing. Uh, but I knew that in this environment, I couldn't have a book with the title, with the name, with, with joy in the title. Right. Uh, uh, and anyway, I, I changed it to Cruising Interrupted. So that that's the name of my new book, the follow up to the joy of cruising. I love cruising that title. And so that came out a few months ago. Uh, and uh, so it's just it's just it's just uh, wonderful. Angelina, to see cruising come back alive. Uh, I know for me, uh, during the pandemic, I canceled, my wife and I, we had our uh, 28th anniversary cruise. It was going to be my first trip to the Mediterranean. And that was a, uh, uh, a victim of, of Rona. Uh, well, I, I recently uh, uh, booked um, a, a, a Mediterranean cruise now it's going to be our 30th anniversary cruise. So that's going oh, to that's be, amazing. Uh, that's going to be October of 22. Uh, of course, I can't wait till October 22 to, to cruise. So we're, look, we're, we're cruising. We're going to do a shorter one sometime in the next uh, several months. Nice. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if you know, but when I picked up your first book, now I didn't pick up Cruising Interrupted yet. But when I picked up The Joy of Cruising, I actually based a cruise on what I read in there. Because you have really funny stories with people and you have some really heartwarming stories about people that are cruising. But one of the things I really loved is that you actually show pictures of the people. Mm -hmm. So now how do you approach somebody that you don't know on a cruise and say, hey, I'm an author. Can I interview you? How do you do that? Well, you know, uh, uh, for the first book, Joy of Cruising, which, which as you alluded to, it, it featured a lot of cruisers uh, with stories to tell. Some, you, some are actually celebrities, some you can Google, and others are uh, 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 ordinary uh, uh, people with what I call extraordinary stories. Uh, 
Um, but anyway, I, I approached people uh, really kind of cold calling. Uh, and with the first book, it was difficult because I was just a voice on the internet. You know, I was just reaching right. out to people and, you know, say, hey, you know, you've got an interesting story and I would like to, uh, this is what I'm doing and I would like to interview you. And I, I got used to, you know, being turned down. Um, uh, but as I got some successes, success breeds success. So, you know, once I got Absolutely. a few people to sign up, then then others, you know, I got a little bit of a, what's the word, cachet. Uh, and, and even some of the people who early on, you know, didn't, didn't, weren't, didn't seem inclined to talk to me, uh, later on, they, they would say things like, I'd be glad to talk to you. So, so the second book, it was a little easier because I had, uh, you know, I had the first book to refer to and say, you know, uh, uh, and I can mention some of the people who were in the first book, but yeah, I would say of the, you know, in the first book of the, of all of the passionate cruises that I, I featured and interviewed, I would say about about a quarter of them, you can Google them. And, oh, that's and, pretty neat. You know, for instance, just, just to give you a for instance, so, so the first lady of poker, now I know that might not mean anything to many people, but to people who are, you know, who, who follow professional poker, they know who that is. Well, she's featured in the book because she has a cruising story, uh, uh, you know, and she's in the in in the Poker Hall of Fame. Uh, and then there are other people. I have a Grammy winner featured in the book. Uh, now you might say, well, what does winning a Grammy have to do with cruising? Well, you got to read the book. There's a cruising link. <laughs> so you know, it, it's just a fun book, and it was so much fun to write. It was an easy decision to write a follow-up. Well, I need to pick the next one up, but I, I really appreciate you talking about something so personal. And I, I do think you're helping other people and bringing awareness that when there's something wrong, you know, your own body. And I'm so glad that you followed up with that and you had a good medical team around you. So thank you, Dr. Paul. I wish you all the best luck in the world and congratulations on your 30th anniversary next year. I hope you have a blast in the Mediterranean. Well, thank you, and uh, uh, I'm looking forward to cruising again, and, and it was great talking to you, and, and uh, so just, just hopefully we can continue digging out of this pandemic. I'm a little concerned because I, you know, I, 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 it just, it, 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 it's taking longer for us to get out of this than I think it needs to be. Yes, I agree. Yes, where everyone, and when you look at the news today, everyone's over it. Everyone's ready to move on and, and go back to normal life. Mm -hmm. So, yep, wow, lots of stuff going on. But thank you again, Dr. Paul. I appreciate you. And, you know, congratulations on all your successes. This is Angelina Asante for another episode of The Healthy Hypochondriac. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug and Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Marquis. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today.